Steelers by the Lake podcast. My name is James Jones. Once again, by my co-host Cody. Cody, how are you this victory Monday? Oh, James, I'm fantastic. I'm actually eating some delicious cookies right now. Uh, that my friend Sydney made for me. Look, she even put a little heart in there. I don't know why. Um... She's a sweetheart. No, these cookies are delicious. They're the first thing I've eaten all day. It's been a busy day. So I'm doing good. Um, you know, Pittsburgh won. That was impressive. I told myself I wasn't going to wear anything Steelers related yesterday because I was so concerned with, um, I don't know. I've, every week I feel like I wear something they were losing. But I wore my socks. Only my socks. And we won. So I'm going to try that again next week. See how it goes. I'm not superstitious normally, but I'm going to try it again. Listen, I'm glad that you mentioned this because I wore a certain pair of socks week one and it was a victory. I washed them and then wore them again week two. And I said, well, clearly it wasn't the socks. So I've been switching socks every week and wearing a different pair. Well, I went back to the week one socks yesterday and they won again. So they're two and a one with those socks. Uh, and you have lucky socks, it sounds like as well. Uh, we're going to have to keep these socks rolling the rest of the season, buddy, because uh, it's starting to look up for Pittsburgh after this one. I don't know. You know, you say that, and I, I agree and I disagree both. I agree because I felt like, well, I felt like, and the the head coach of Tampa Bay said it. We were out, they were out coached and outplayed. This is the first yep. time I've ever heard about Pittsburgh out coaching anybody because normally it's been, we're going to do this and we're going to be good at it. You know, that's how it's been for how long. Yeah. Um, so the fact that somebody said they were out coached by us is very promising. But again, this whole thing of Kenny Pickett came out playing very well, led the team down for a touchdown on the first drive for the first time in how long? Um, I think that was our first touchdown in the first quarter since week one, or not even since week one, right? Uh, I think it's the first opening drive for a touchdown all season, I think. Okay, I think that's right. But again, so Kenny Pickett came out, played very well, and then you had Mitch Trubisky come in mid-third, and... So I'm just, I'm excited, but I'm confused. You know what I mean? <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Because it's like, where do you go from here? That's where this? I'm at. That's yeah. where I'm at. Yeah. So I, I I say let's table that for right now and come back to that conversation after we talk about the game. Uh, but that's a very important thing, man, because they got a, a difficult decision going on right now. Uh, other difficult decisions are how do you get this team ready when they're so injured, right? Uh, so Pittsburgh made some moves previous to the game. Number one, they signed outside linebacker David Enini, uh, brought him back to the practice squad. He was yep. on the active roster for three weeks, which is the mandatory number when you steal somebody off of someone else's practice squad. Uh, so it kind of seems like maybe that was just the plan. Yeah, maybe he didn't look quite as good as they thought in practice because they never even let him dress for a game. Uh, and then after that, uh, they did decide to sign Duke Dawson, if the name sounds familiar. He was a, a moderate draft pick. He's got some time as a starting slot corner in the NFL. Uh, they signed him to the practice squad and released running back Jason Huntley. Yes, they did. Um, that wasn't it for roster stuff. DeMarvin Leal on Saturday did go to the IR with a knee injury. Um, and then they wound up signing Josh Jackson, the cornerback, to the 53-man roster. And then they also elevated Elijah Riley, the safety, and another cornerback, Quincy Wilson, um, both to the active roster for the game on Sunday. Now, inactives before the game. Nothing surprising here unless you want to talk about something there real quick. Uh, the, the only thing I want to mention is that it seems as though DeMarvin injured the knee on Friday. Uh, 
previous to practice or at the beginning of practice. Uh, I haven't heard anything official on that yet, but it does sound like there is some concern that it might be a significant injury. Uh, if that's the case, that would be awful because honestly, he looked like he was playing better every week mm-hmm. uh, and really looked like he was going to start to become one of the cornerstones of that defense, turning things around. Yeah, especially uh, so, with the O line or the D line being older, having younger yeah, guys. Yeah, there there's a lot big. of guys on the last year, their deals too. You know, you, yep. you've got some young pieces that have showed some promise. Uh, and Marvin has, I, I thought, had a really nice rookie season thus far and seemed to be getting better and more integral into the defense every week. So uh, let's just pray that it's not bad. Maybe he's back next week. I don't know, but uh, I am definitely concerned that it's more significant. Yeah, so we'll keep you guys in the loop on that. Inactives for the game, Mason Rudolph, no one's surprised by that. Minka Fitzpatrick, obviously dealing with an injury, Killer Witherspoon, Cam Sutton, Levi Wallace, all four, four of those guys dealing with injuries. And then you also have Kendrick Green dealing with an injury and Pat Frymuth as well dealing with an injury. So basically, Mason Rudolph was the only one inactive who they just didn't say was inactive. What's up? Well, technically, Kendrick Green uh, was inactive due to an inability to be good. That's fair. Uh, So it's an injury to his ability. That's fair. uh, But still an injury. Again, most of those guys, especially four on the defensive backfield, you know, the, the secondary. Uh, that's, that's four that's, starters, man. That's big. That's big. That Let's is four starters. What it is. The nickel defense is your primary defense these days. That is four starters right there out of your five starters. And some would say that the only one that was healthy for the game was probably the least talented of those five. Yep. <laughs> I know. I know you would probably say I that. would absolutely <laughs> say that. Um, so that was, that was very big, but let's get into this game. Uh, for, we obviously doing, talked man? about it. First quarter. Pittsburgh goes down and scores. And, and, and Mitch, or excuse me, uh, Kenny Pickett was perfect on doing it as well. I think he was four for four on the driver, five for five, and a touchdown pass to Najee Harris. Took him right down the field, man. He was efficient. He made good decisions. His passes were on time and accurate. We had a fourth down conversion by an undrafted rookie. And it was, it was good coaching on that part too yep. you know they they came short on third down and they didn't give the defense time to adjust they just rushed them right back out there uh, immediately got them to the line got that run play in before they could get any uh big uglies in there to really beef up the defensive line so they were still in their whatever defense they were from the play previous uh, and it, it exposed them you know it made it so that there was a weakness pittsburgh took advantage of it and this was a theme throughout the day we saw Pittsburgh taking advantage of times when Tampa Bay wasn't ready. Yeah. And and that's what and you've th- got to do that. You have that's the whole point of coaching. You're supposed yeah. to do that. So the fact Absolutely. that we're doing it is phenomenal and it's like yeah. it, it I I am at the point now James where I'm like what took us this long to and and my my biggest fear is that we're going to come back next week on Sunday night football against Miami and not do that. <laughs> oh man. We're just not gonna. Like hey, that worked last week. Let's go back to basics. That's my fear right now. So we'll wait and see what happens. And you can't do that, especially. And and Tom Brady even said that they could never understand what the defense was doing. Phenomenal job by the defensive coordinator, whether that was the coordinator himself or, you know, Flores was maybe he was involved in that. I don't know. Flores has a lot of practice against Tom Brady. So let's be real, man. Flores and his Miami Dolphins, when he was there, 
they beat the Patriots once a year, every year. They played them twice. The Patriots would only lose three or four games a year, and the Dolphins would beat them every single year. Brian Flores knows the weaknesses to Tom Brady more than maybe most folks do out there. And you know who else he knows the weaknesses to more than most folks out there? The Miami freaking Dolphins, baby. And that's who we got next. That's fair. If, if what my theory is correct here is that part of this out coaching of Tampa Bay had a lot to do with Brian Flores and his knowledge of Tom Brady and his knowledge of being able to confuse him. I think you can only expect that he's going to know exactly how to confuse a guy like Tua uh, in the offense of the Miami Dolphins and know all the weaknesses that these guys have. And uh, our defense is going to be ready for that, man. Yeah, I agree. I'm excited to see it. I'm still concerned. I won't lie. Um, <laughs> I think you should be concerned because of how they've played so far this year, right? Yeah, two but, and, two and four I, isn't anything to go home about. Like, get all excited, no. you know? But, nope, but if we get the three and four and the Dolphins are in the rearview mirror, man, you have to kind of feel a little better about the season. Yeah. I mean, well, then you got the Eagles next week and they're undefeated. So there's well, yeah, that. so they're not going to beat the <laughs> Eagles most likely. But, but I think there's a real chance against Miami, man. Um I, I again, the, I think that I think that this will depend. The Miami game. I'm not trying to get too ahead. The Miami game will def- depend more upon these four starters on defense being out than anything else. I don't think we can go up against Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill without all of these guys. Um, yeah. I would love to have Minka back. I would love to have Witherspoon, Witherspoon and Sutton back. I'd love to have Wallace back. I'd love to have any combination of them back. Let's be real. Um, I think. It's realistic to expect Levi Wallace back mm-hmm. because he was a concussion, and usually after two weeks you're good, you clear protocol. Uh, so I think it's very reasonable to expect Wallace back. I feel like the Minka knee injury wasn't that bad. He was already mm-hmm. playing on it previously. So the extra week of rest, I feel he's got a chance of coming back as well. But the other two are hamstrings. Uh, Witherspoon's already missed like at least three weeks, I want to say now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he should be trending towards playing again soon. Uh, but it, I don't expect Cam back necessarily just because he's – you got to let hamstrings heal, otherwise you end up tearing them and then you miss a whole season. Yep, and you got to let I – don't, I, don't, I don't expect Pat back next week, unfortunately. Fryer move? Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he's back because then that's two full weeks. I wouldn't, but I'm also just concerned with how the NFL is handling this new concussion stuff because of the Tua incident. I'm 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 weary that they might take some extra time, especially with knowing that they can get production out of Cam uh, out of excuse me Connor Hayward and Zach Gentry. Both those guys yep. had catches in the game, and both those guys played very well. Um, obviously, Connor Hayward only having the one catch, but he's the first player who's not a wide receiver to have a 40 yard catch since Le'Veon Bell. And honestly, the first player on the team all season long to have a 40 plus yard catch. Yep. (laughs) And it's our number three. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take that. I will take that. Um, Let's talk about that play real quick though. Cause this is once again, taking advantage of a situation. They were trying to rush a couple of defensive linemen off of the field. They didn't get the the exchange in time. Vita Vea was really trying, but, man, he's big. Uh, <laughs> he could not get off the field in time. Mitch Trubisky recognized this, and I don't know if he had a coach in his ear saying, snap it, snap it, snap it, snap it, 
or if he just recognized it on his own. I got to feel like it's probably a combination of the two. Uh, and they were able to get that ball snapped. Connor Hayward, give him credit for his IQ on the play. He realized what was going on and turned back as he's running so that he could make sure that Mitch knew that he, he'd be ready for that ball. Mm-hmm. Caught it, and he made the most of it. Uh, you know, obviously, you wish he was a little bit faster because he would have probably got in the end zone. Uh, but <laughs> I am probably faster than him. I watched that play, and I was like, wow. Yeah, he's he's like a low 4 seven forty guy. Oh, I'm faster than look, that. He didn't. No, no, you're not. Bet. Stop it. Bet. Yes. I'll put a thousand bucks on it. You're not a four. <laughs> I'll put a thousand bucks on it. Let's go. You're 30 years old and you haven't worked I out am, in five years. I am 29 Stop and I it. work out all the time. Stop it. You do not. Some way, shape or form. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, he looked super slow on that play. I can't he look slow. <laughs> um, but you know what? That's that's great. The fact that you're getting that kind of production out of a third string tight end, or rookie third string tight end is huge. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. So uh, let's so- let's focus. We we got off track a little bit. Let's go quarterbacks real quick. Kenny Pickett came in, yeah. played well before he got hurt. He's in out with in he's in concussion protocol right now. Don't expect him back for next week against Miami. But he was 11 for 18 for 67 yards and a touchdown before he left the game. The 67 yards is the only thing that's like concerning, but it's not even concerning. Mm-hmm. Like he, he was making smart plays. He wasn't being done with the ball. He didn't force anything. He had a bunch of plays early in the game that were just quick boom slant, boom slant. It's a hitch. Get a first down on third down. Like he played very well and they were quick passes. It's not like he had many opportunities to go deep. Um, so I'm not going to, you know, nitpick that very much. And then Mitch Trubisky comes in and plays like he's not playing for a starting job anymore, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I feel like yeah. this is the, the this is the him we could have gotten from the get-go, but he was so nervous was, about losing the job. Yeah. This was the I've got nothing to lose and everything to prove, and let's just go do it. Yep. Uh, real quick on Kenny. One thing that I saw from him this game that I was really happy to see, uh, at one point in time he was scrambling from the pocket, and it was obvious that he wasn't going to get past the line of scrimmage. And in previous weeks he had just gone out of bounds and not thrown the ball away. This week he actually won one of those just kind of like tossed it. He got it forwards. He got it past the line of scrimmage. Yep. It goes down as an incomplete pass, but it's a very intelligent play. Also shows that he's taking the coaching from his coaching staff because you can guarantee that they said, hey, throw that thing away. Don't take that three-yard loss. You're just making it more difficult for no reason. Yep. Uh, he took that coaching, and he did that, and that shows the progression that you're looking for in your, in your players in general, but definitely looking to see in your first-round quarterback. Uh, so I loved seeing that. Uh, Mitch was lights out, man. Uh, early out on, there were a couple throws that he threw, and I was like, man, his his timing's a little off. He's a little bit behind on this throw or that throw. Uh, next thing you know, everything he threw was a freaking dime right on the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, third and long over and over. In this game, Chase Claypool was the recipient. I'm, sco- I'm scooting to Chase. Sorry. He had such a good game. I can't help but talk about him while talking about Mitch Trubisky because the two of them were really – really in tune with each other. He had a third and 16 that he converted a third and 15 that he converted and a third and 11 that he converted all to chase Claypool. Some of them short of the sticks and he fought and got the extra yards. 
he played like his size this game. Yep. He played like the guy that is bigger and stronger than most defensive backs than he goes against. Dang near all of them in the league. He played like it in this game, man. Mapletron showed acrobatic up. Side, yeah, he even had an acrobatic sideline catch where it looked like he had no business catching that ball. Just completely contorted. and Oh, my gosh, man. Like Chase played his butt off. I'm really proud of him, and I will publicly apologize for how much criticism <laughs> I put on both him and Deontay Johnson the last two weeks because I've really been on them and they did a great job of turning things around in this game man they were reliable they helped move the sticks and Chase got in the end zone so we finally have a wide receiver with a touchdown catch this season Chase Claypool targeted seven times seven catches fantastic you literally cannot ask for more than that nope and he got in the end zone like literally I mean that's it so yeah that's again. We're let's we're skipping running backs for now, or the running <laughs> the running game, I should say. Uh, Connor yeah. Hayward was second. I so did Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's true. Connor Hayward was second <laughs> in yards for the game, only on, only on two receptions for forty nine yards. Uh, Deontay Johnson twenty eight yards on five receptions. Not great there, but a lot of his things were you know dink and dunks, the things that we don't like to see. But he was catching the ball, so I'll take Caught it. The ball kept his feet in bounds. He did the even, important things that even he was doing last week. Yeah, even the play where Kenny or Kenny Pickett got hurt, the ball was vastly underthrown because of Kenny getting hit. And Deontay made a great play on the ball, came back to it, and made a play, got some yards. It was phenomenal. Um, it was his yeah. longest catch of the day. It was only, I think it was, I don't even know how far it was, but it was, I think it was the longest play of the game. His longest play was nine, so. <laughs> I feel like it was longer than that. That's why I'm confused. Um, well, it probably looked like a lot longer than that because of how far that ball hung up in the air, man. That's true. Uh, in in comparison to previous weeks, that's an effort thing. I feel like 100%. that ball goes up in the air in previous weeks, and Deontay says, oh, screw it, man. I can't believe this guy. He can't even get And it would get ball. picked off. This, yeah, and this time – he says, this is an opportunity for me to be the hero and have my teammates back and go get that ball and make something of it. And he did. And that's great. That is fantastic. I don't even care that he only had five catches for 28 yards because his effort on the field was drastically better and so was his execution. Yep. Um, Najee Harris, obviously, they had the touchdown reception early in the game. Zach Gentry had a four-yard catch as well. Um, caught the ball at like the yard line and ran and got four yards because he ran through somebody and fell forward because he's six foot freaking seven or whatever he is. So <laughs> whatever you fall forward, you're going to get some yards. Pounds. Yeah. Um, so the, again, nothing, nothing spectacular. I mean, other than I will say Chase Claypool had a like seven for seven. Chase had a spectacular game. Chase had a great game. Yeah. Um, but he nothing did. and Connor Hayward's catch. That's fair. Um, but nothing super crazy out of the receivers, in my opinion, like not like no George Pickens catch or anything like that. We're seeing them mm. do the things that they should be doing, which is why we're so excited, because they haven't been doing those things. Um, yes. <laughs> but again, we are allowed to get excited about that. Let's hope they do it again next week. The running game. We had eight different guys run the ball in this game. <laughs> um, Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky, obviously both ran. Kenny Pickett had a, two runs for 16 yards total. Uh, Mitch Trubisky had the ceiling first yard run towards the end of the game, which was great on his part. Um, and then you had a couple end arounds that did fairly well. Some that didn't, you had Steven Sims getting a negative five yard run. George Pickens had a one yard run. And then you had uh, Chase Claypool getting an eight yard run and Deontay Johnson had eight yards on two carries. So the end around doesn't seem to be working as much as we would like. So I think we can 
back away from that a little bit, ideally, because I don't know. I'm just not enjoying it's it so far. It's all about who's being effective with it and who's missing blocks and stuff. Uh, Chase has been effective. He's not getting big plays off of it, but he's effective. So like week one, they used it like six times and he averaged, I want to say six yards a carry on it, uh, which obviously you expect to see more on those types of plays. Yeah. But in the end, when you're just trying to, to get a running game going, a six yard per carry average is great as a runner. Uh, I don't care that he's a wide receiver. If you're looking at it from a running perspective, getting six yards on a, on a carry is fantastic. So uh, I see, feel like, again, in this game, we saw Chase Claypool being more effective on these jet sweeps than the other wide receivers have been. Uh, so it might be that just what is effective with our offense on the jet sweeps is the more powerful guys who can break a tackle or two and get a few extra yards rather than the ultra quick guys. Yeah. I know Gunner had one earlier in the year that he took for 18 yards, uh, but with his ability to kind of juke and jive and make people miss, uh, Steven Sims might have some more success in the future. Just that play got blown up by one defensive player getting a lot of penetration and and really kind of <laughs> he didn't have anywhere to go. You know, as soon as he got the, the ball handed off to him, there was a guy in his face. Yep. Uh, so. Um... A little bit of effort as far as Najee. I liked what I saw from him. The totals numbers weren't great, yeah. uh, but he did have an explosive run again. Uh, so we're starting to see a little bit more of that. Uh, and I think it's only a matter of time before he, him or Jalen Warren breaks one, maybe even both. Yeah. Yeah. Next, next Sunday night, watch for it. <laughs> <laughs> you um, never know. You never know. Speaking of Steven Sims, I'm going to go uh, special teams here for just for a second. Steven Sims, Proved to be the return man we, we've been needing this week. Now, I'm not going to say that too surely. That could be a one-and-done kind of thing. But the fact that we saw it once was phenomenal. He had three returns for 112 yards. The other two weren't very long. He had one that put him all the way down almost inside the red zone, if I'm not mistaken. It was very close mm -hmm. um, to just to start the second half. So that was absolutely amazing to see that from him. Um, Steven Sims, again, that's an average of 37.3 per return. That's great. Granted, most of that came in one, but we'll take it. Um, so happy to see Steven Sims getting involved and producing there. Um, other than that, you want to switch over to offensive line? Uh, we can go offensive line. Uh, like you said with Steven Sims, uh, there's a game breaker, man. It's just another thing that teams have to prepare for. Uh, and that's going to put more of their focus on special teams rather than where they ought to be focusing, which defensive and offensive game planning. And that's mm -hmm. great. Uh, give them more to think about uh, and more weapons on the field. So uh, happy for Steven to be able to make that kind of impact because you feel like Pittsburgh is going to have a tough decision to make here with Calvin Austin the third coming off of the IR very soon here. Uh, someone's going to have to go. Uh, and I'm starting to think that maybe that person that goes is probably going to be Gunner. It's looking like it. It is looking mm -hmm. like it. Uh, there's not much more you can do about that. Um, you know, and, and it sucks because I think Gunner was actually a, a really good receiver as well. Um, we didn't get to see it very much, unfortunately, because, you know, he was struggling in the, in the return game and, when that's why you genuinely bring somebody in, especially because we brought him in to kind of not saying this is why we brought him in, but you know, new England always took guys from us. We finally took somebody from them. And then against them, he just muffed, I think two punts. And it was just, it was a rough time and he wasn't performing well. So 
it sucks because I think Gunner has the the potential, but he's just not performing right now. So I think you're right. I think he's going to be the next one gone. Yep. Sadly. Yeah, in the end, he was brought in to be the dynamic return man, and he has not been the dynamic return man. Uh, so uh, I know at one point in time in the season, he had been on the field for 24 offensive snaps, and 23 of them were runs. Yep. So like they were straight up just having him be used as a blocker or as the jet sweep guy. And obviously teams know that. So he just didn't get the opportunity to, to receive the ball in the regular season when he did. So in, in the preseason, he looked pretty good doing it. But uh, I think at this stage, you're, you're looking for different options. You're looking for things to, to be the ability to stretch a defense uh, and nobody knows what Calvin Austin the third is, but if he comes back healthy, that four three three speed is incredible, and you want to get it on the field. <clears throat> Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. Offensive line, I felt like they mm-hmm. started off very – you know, they let up a sack. I think they let up two sacks. Um, yeah, I think. The one, the one was a big one on third down, third and seven, right up against our own goal line. Unfortunately, I think that was more of a – they were rushed to get the ball off because of play clock. Um, and unfortunately, Kenny Pickett took a big sack. I think that was a mental error on his part. He probably should have called a timeout. Whatever, I get it. Um, but the offensive line, I felt, had a little bit of improvement this week. I, we, we, I still don't think they're playing as good as they should be for an NFL team, but we saw Najee have some time to find a hole or get outside without getting you know arm tackled by somebody who's breaking through one of the outside guys. Um, we saw a few ho- few more holding calls than I would have liked to have seen on Kevin Dotson. Um, but again, the offensive line, uh, uh, we don't win this game without them playing better. I don't think, you know yeah. what I mean? So I think they're playing better than what they have been. And I need to see that. I hope to see that go in the right direction. I'm really, Hassenhauer came in and played very well, in my opinion. I think he only got the one snap, but he didn't mess it up when he was out there, so. Who was, who was, oh, never mind. I'm talking Mason Cole. Yeah. I, that's who I meant. Yeah. That's who I meant. Yeah. Yeah. Mason missed the one snap and he got his ankles taped up and then he came right back out yeah. like an absolute tank because that dude is tough as nails, man. Um, I, my take from the offensive line on this game was that they started the game out very strong on that first drive. Yep. Uh, and they finished the game out very strong. Pittsburgh had the ball for the last four and a half minutes. Uh, and they were able to complete a drive and burn out the entire clock and not give Tom Brady and the Buccaneers offense one last chance to try to win the game. Uh, they finished in victory formation. First time of the year? First time of I the mean, year. Did they do that week one maybe? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember but, either. Yeah, it's been that I, long I don't think they me. did. I think we went on defense on that one, I think. Yeah. I, don't, I don't remember. It was so long ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, but just tremendous that they were able to in those short yardage situations. They got pushed in the interior uh, and they gave Kenny time and they gave Mitch time. And you know what? In the clutch moments, that's what you got to have. You need people to play their best in the most important and pivotal moments. Uh, In the beginning of the game, setting the tone, getting up first, getting that touchdown. Yep. Fantastic. And then again, at the end of the game, when you've got to have it, when you've got to burn the clock out Uh, and they made it happen. So uh, very, very grateful to see that from them uh, in both situations. Do you want to move over to the defense? Uh, Yes, I want to move over to the defensive line specifically. Obviously, Tyson Alualu, Cameron Hayward. 
Uh, both played well. Cam had a sack on the game. I thought it was going to be split with somebody, but it wasn't. Yeah, um, so did I. <laughs> I'm glad they gave it to him, though. Um, but more specifically, I, I want to talk about Larry Ogunjobi uh, and his his just stuffing Leonard Fournette in one of their uh, like first and goal or second and goal drives where I was like, oh, no, like, um, we can't allow a touchdown here. This is what yeah. happens. And we didn't. And that play was what started it off. And I was just super impressed with them. Uh, the the defensive front, I think, played the best they have without, obviously, without TJ Watt. Um, obviously, yeah. coming. this is the first win Pittsburgh's ever gotten without TJ Watt since drafting him. So that was impressive. Yeah, I was very, very uh, happy with the performance from the defensive line. You know, Cam Hayward absolutely dominated the left guard. Uh, the rookie Gadecki really didn't have a chance against him all game long. Uh, like you said, he registered a, a sack, so now he's got two on the season. Yep. Larry Ogunjobi, I think, had his best game of the entire season. Uh, was constantly in the backfield, very disruptive, uh, and you like to see what, what he had there. Isaiah Loudermilk actually got the start at the beginning of the game. He yep. was on there for the first defensive snap. Played a significant number of snaps, and I thought he represented himself well. Uh, even Chris Wormley had a play where he blew up the running back in the backfield. Yep. Uh, and just nice to see contribution from those guys are the, the four most important defensive linemen right now. Uh, and you're still not seeing much from Montrevious Adams and Tyson Alu Alu. Uh, so you got to feel like maybe Pittsburgh's going to look for different answers uh, in the off season in that room, because I don't think they're going to bother bringing Tyson Alu Alu back. You can't. Uh, he's, he's like 35 years old and he's, he's clearly uh, done as far as his, his best days. They're all behind him now. Uh, Montrevious Adams, we had we had high hopes, uh, but don't seem like we're getting that out of him either right now. So uh, the future seems to be with Cam Hayward and the younger guys, and, and at least we're getting what we are getting out of uh, Wormley and Ogunjobi right now. Mm-hmm. Um, linebacker crew, uh, specifically outside linebackers, Alex Highsmith got a sack again. Um, Alex Highsmith now is continuing to lead the NFL in sacks as he should be because he's phenomenal and he's a Pittsburgh Steeler because that's what we do. Um, more specifically linebacker wise, I want to talk miles Jack, uh, specifically because he had a game changing play in this game where he was able to jump up and defend a pass that was thrown to Cameron Bright in the end zone. If he doesn't get a finger on that, literally just a finger, that's a touchdown. It's an easy touchdown. He, that was was wide open man. Yeah, I, and the, we were just talking about this last week. Where are the plays from the middle linebackers deflecting passes, uh, not necessarily getting a bunch of interceptions, but they're highly athletic middle linebackers. Why aren't they getting their hands on the ball more and breaking yep. up some passes? And we saw it from all of them this week. Yep, you Robert know, that Spillane. That was a huge play from Miles Jack. We saw Robert Spillane breaking passes up down the field. And then at the end of the game, when Tampa Bay goes for two, Devin Bush breaks it up in the end zone, and they win by that two-point margin. Yep. All three of these guys put together key moments in the game, breaking up passes, uh, and I didn't think any of them was bad against the run. I thought they had some impact against the run. Malik Reed also had a pass defense. Yeah. Wasn't that something? So. It, and some would say he should have had a half sack. Some would uh, say. So, <laughs> some, some would say. But, yeah, uh, definitely huge improvement from the middle linebacker room. Uh, in the outside linebacker room, 
you know, Alex is just doing Alex things. Leading the NFL in sacks with six and a half. There's six guys with six right behind him, but he's leading the NFL, man. Heads up, NFL. Normally at this point, you talk about the sack leader by now. They haven't yet. No news, no ESPN, no NFL Network has talked about the sack leader yet. Normally by now it's being discussed. Because it's not Micah Parsons, it's not Miles Garrett, it's not Aaron Donald, any of these guys that the narrative preseason-wise was being pushed to, these are going to be your defensive player of the year candidates. Yep. None of them are leading the league in sacks, and it's coming from the team that they don't want it to come from. Sucks to suck. Yeah. <laughs> is, is, is six and a half what Alex had last year? For the whole season. I can find out while we talk. I feel um, like he was right around there, like six and a half or seven for the whole season last year. And one of the biggest pushbacks from people last year was that he wasn't consistent enough. He'd get a sack or two in a game, and then they'd have a, a, a you know, two or three games in a row where he didn't get on the board at all. And here it is, like, he's got a sack in almost every game this season now. Well, I'll tell you this right now. Uh, the website that I just looked up, has him only sitting at five and a half sacks. Yeah, um, they're wrong. Yeah. Had, <laughs> they just haven't updated for for yesterday's well, game. Well, no, yet. they have him only having, the one that I just looked up has him against the, who was week one? Oh, that's because they don't have week one. Three, yeah, three four, five, one. six. Oh, they, it's six and a half. They just haven't done the correct math. Okay. Um, yeah, he had three week one. But yeah, looking at last year, with Alex Highsmith specifically, uh, that would be 2021. He ended the year with six sacks, so he already has more. Incredible. He already has more sacks than last year. <laughs> and and most <laughs> of this, mo- obviously week one with, with TJ Watt, he had three. But yeah. a lot of these sacks are still coming out. You know, over half of them are coming from when he didn't have TJ. Yeah. And he's spreading them out. Mm-hmm. He's spreading them out, man. He's making it happen. So uh, really, really happy to see what's going on for Alex Highsmith here. Uh, I'm very thrilled to see this. Uh, And I truly believe that TJ Watt's going to come back after the bye week. And we only have two games left between now and then. I mean, what happens if Alex Highsmith is somehow still leading the NFL in sacks going into that bye week, and then last year's defensive player of the year comes back. Alex will never see another double team the rest of the year (laughs) because TJ will be back. No, he won't. No, he won't. (laughs) And neither will Cam because people (laughs) will have to respect the other side. It'll be a fun time. I'm excited for it now, moving forward. Um, I'm excited Excited to see what happens. Let's not talk about this too much. We'll we'll talk about Alex more later. Yeah. Maybe. We'll, We'll see. We talked about him a lot right now. Uh, the defensive, the <laughs> defensive secondary it. played much better than I thought they would against Tom Brady and this, the wide receiver core. Chris Godwin's no joke. Mike Evans is no joke. Uh, James Pierre had a phenomenal breakup on third and 11. That would have been a first down. Um, yeah. I was just very impressed with how these guys played. Terrell Edmonds led the team in tackles, which you kind of expect sometimes out of a strong safety when the middle linebackers haven't been, um, but Terrell Edmonds didn't get burnt that I saw. Didn't get, you know, I, I didn't see any of the corners or safeties really getting torched or or blown up on a play or anything like that. I felt like they played. It, it wasn't a great performance, but it was a solid performance. If that they makes sense. They held their own, man. They, 
by all means, they should have been annihilated by this class of wide receivers and Tom Brady. There's no reason that Tom shouldn't have thrown for 400 yards against him. Uh, And these guys afterwards all gave credit to Terrell Edmonds, making sure they were all doing exactly what they were supposed to be doing on the right page. Uh, The guys clearly got a good IQ for the game, and he put together a great game. He was the only starter in the secondary that was there, man. Everybody else was backups, and multiple practice squad members were playing in this game. Yep. Multiple. I mean, Josh Jackson just got called up from the practice squad the game before. And Quincy Wilson. And Quincy Wilson coming in. Did he play? I don't even know if he played. He played a lot because James Pierre got hurt in the second half of the game. So Quincy Wilson played for like an entire quarter, quarter and a half. So you had two practice squad guys out there and Arthur Mollett, who is not that good against the pass, but excellent against the run uh, in the slot. Holy cow, man. You even had Elijah Riley out there who just got elevated from the practice squad for the game out there making plays too. I mean, this next man up mentality team. Yeah. Great team play from this secondary all of them played way better than anyone thought they would. Uh, and I don't care that there was no interceptions uh, because they played very well and had Tom Brady confused all game long. And yep. that's just impressive, man. Yep, we take those. Pittsburgh scored in every quarter and a touchdown in the first and a touchdown in the last. So I'll take, I would like to take more touchdowns than that, but that's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah i don't i don't know i was i was proud of seeing everything boswell had a good game uh he doinked yep. one in from 55 yards that was fantastic <laughs> um but two for two on field goals and two for two on extra points that's exactly what we need him to do he was perfect boss for president again thank you no uh, boss for president uh presley Har- better game from presley harvey yes. too he, he had a bounce back game uh a lot better execution on his punts uh good hang time the uh, return average, I think, was kept low, and he had two of them, I believe, inside the 20 out of those punts, too. Uh, so his average yards per punt increased back uh, closer to where you expect it to be. I want to say, what was he, like 44 and a half or something in this game? Yeah. Uh, so uh, a good improvement in the right direction, 44.2, uh, in two of the five punts inside uh, the 20-yard line. So uh, nice job on his part. Uh, you like to see what he was able to bounce back from because he was grading out pretty poorly. He was grading out from like pro football focus. They had him as like the 29th or 30th ranked punter right now. So uh, he needed to start getting some better games in there. And he absolutely responded. That's exactly what we needed. So that's going to do it for talking about the game. I think, I don't think there's anything else I want to talk about as far as the game is concerned. Um, Obviously Kenny, Kenny had his first, or his second start, excuse me, um, and played well, played very well. But Mitch came in and said, hey, I'm playing with a, di- with a different chip on my shoulder because I'm not worried about losing the starting job because I already did. And I genuinely think we'll see better play out of Mitch if we have to next week, which I'm assuming we'll see Mitch next week. Um, but I'm excited to see what's happening. And the, the receivers are making plays, the defense, next man up mentality, the, you know, the second or the, uh, Second and third string tight ends playing very well. Like, it's nice to see this all working. I would just like to see Najee have a 100-yard rushing game, and then I'll feel really good. <laughs> That's what I want to see yeah. next. Um, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, injuries. Obviously, Kenny with the concussion, we talked about that. Um, Mason Cole went down with an ankle injury and then came back the next play. We talked about that. Uh, James Pierre 
out with an injury, didn't come back to the game, and then I believe was later seen correct after the game with a neck brace. Yeah, he was seen after the game wearing a neck brace. Uh, so you got to be a little bit concerned about that, especially not knowing what corners are going to be healthy to play this upcoming week against Miami. Uh, you'd like to have him healthy at least for this game. Uh, but that doesn't look promising if he had to wear a neck brace. Hopefully it's just a preventive thing, just being cautious, maybe a strained muscle on his neck or something. Uh, it seemed like a play where he hit somebody pretty hard with his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I could see that being something that would cause someone to be cautious. But uh, yeah, Miles Jack too, the ankle injury. I don't know if you picked this up while you were watching, but uh, the <laughs> TV tape did. Uh, he got up from a pile up and said, dang, that hurt, except he didn't say dang. Uh, and the, the commentator said, sorry about that. Looks like uh, Miles Jack has added some color commentary for us. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't catch that. <laughs> it was really, really funny. Uh, but he gutted it out, man, because that was the play that he hurt his ankle, and he played almost till the end of the game on that thing. Yeah. Uh, and you actually saw him limping into the locker room because of how bad that thing was hurting him. Uh, so hopefully he's able to uh, ice it up and and recover enough enough to play the next two weeks, and then then get some time off during that bye week to heal up and get back to to full strength. Yeah, for absolutely. The, uh, second half. Yeah, absolutely. So again, Alex Highsmith leading the NFL. That's that's a big thing, um, leading the NFL in sacks. I hope that somebody starts giving him recognition because he deserves it. Absolutely. Uh, and speaking of recognition, we're going to touch one more topic here real quick before yep. we wrap the show up. Very important, folks, that you understand um, that it is just a game, right? This is a game of football. We love this. We talk about this game because we're passionate about it. We love the Steelers. Uh, we love watching football. Uh, but at no point in time is it ever appropriate to give death threats to a player because you feel they had a poor performance. Uh, this has happened to Kevin Dotson this week, unfortunately, uh, which is just absolutely shameful and horrible for anyone to do anything like that. If you don't like someone's performance, that's acceptable to not like someone's performance. Yep. But to give them death threats and tell them you're going to kill them, uh, that is absolutely asinine uh and be aware that if you do this over social media you can absolutely be prosecuted for it yep there's a difference of freedom of speech there's a difference of freedom of speech and threatening someone's life those are two totally different things yes yes completely different uh topping talking about it in like a conversation with someone okay maybe you're not gonna get press charges if you tweet at someone or address them on social media and tell them you're going to kill them you best believe they are going to press charges on you and they should yep yeah absolutely i don't have anything more to say about that than you i think it's just laughable that people um are like that. And I think I was like that when I was like in my early teen, like 13, 14, when stuff would happen. I don't remember what happened the one time, but like I was really mad at Roger Goodell and I was like, someone should murder him. But like I was young and stupid. These are grown adults. Like, yeah, this is grown ups, man. Like sending, it's just a joke. It's so bad. Um, get your head on straight people. It is just a game. It'd be one. I would even understand it. No, I wouldn't even understand it then. Uh, you're not paying their bill. You're not paying their contract. Calm down, get over it, and move on. 
Uh, if you I, don't like them, tell them, hey, hey, Kevin, you suck and move on, man. Don't go threatening their life. That's just yeah, bad. yeah. Be like me when uh, when I saw Eric Ebron at training camp and I reminded him that he has stones for hands. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's true. I did. I yelled that really loud. Uh, <laughs> but again, we can't thank you guys enough for listening. Be sure to like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok should be up and running again soon with some videos, hopefully. And YouTube, subscribe and ring the bell. And until next time, this is your host, James and Cody, signing off. Peace.